welcome to Desk of Lady Ada. Hey everybody, and welcome to the Desk of Lady Ada. It's me, Lady Ada, and here I am at my desk. Um, we got some fun stuff to show off today. Got some interesting chips. We've got some uh, cool turntables. And of course, we've got uh, the great search right after. So do we have any updates or news yeah. this week? First off, I just want to say uh, Happy Easter, Passover, Ramadan, whatever you celebrate, whatever it is, hopefully you're coming together and uh, sharing some good times. Good food. And uh, we're here together now. So this week, normal week of shows, uh, I think we have JP guest host for Show and Tell. And kicking off Desk of Lady Ada is probably one of the most advanced, interesting record players that has so many forward-thinking things that you've probably never seen and heard about before. And we have one. Okay. So Lady Ada, why don't you show off the Sony Flamingo? Okay, why don't you go to the overhead and um, we'll do a tour of this thing here. So this yeah. is the... That's a record player. This is a record player. Not and a CD player. Some people saw it online when I posted up a photo and they said, is that a CD player? It no, looks we're like gonna, a CD player. We're going to play a live not. record, a pink record shortly. So you can actually kind of see there's this long slot and um, the record goes into the slot and it stands up. It's called the Flamingo. Um, it can stand. It can actually be played vertical or horizontal. Um, it yeah. has a it has a tracking and a direct oh, drive. Flip it uh, upside down and show the bottom of it, because one of the things I think people don't uh, who've seen these don't realize is on the bottom of it there's these little legs. Some folks say, yeah. "Oh, this thing's gonna flip over." No, go oh, the, the other, other side. This... Yeah. So show that. Tilt the camera up a little bit. Yeah. Hold on. Just... And then. Um, how do I do this? Just oh yeah. So this this flips out. Yeah. To now it's away. it's it's really solid and it won't tip over. Yeah. This is this is like the coolest part. It's like a very. It's one of the coolest parts. Very now, fun. Okay. And this is power. You can battery powered. You can power it from six volts. Yeah. It's portable. See, it's um, portable. Also on the back, show the little hook. So this is meant to also be mounted on a wall. You can also make yeah. it portable. You can also um, wall mount it. Can it can lay horizontal and here's little or rubber vertical. bumpers to protect it. It for the wall, so you can you have like two mounting slots. Yeah, um, it can play 45s or 33s volume, two headphone audio lineouts. Yeah, and it says record, which is interesting. No, for it? recording to tape. I looked in the manual. Yeah, it doesn't. It, obviously, you can't record to a record on this. No, of course not. Record is they encouraged on the yeah. hardware to tell people to record things. Um, and then one other uh, thing that Lady will talk about. It actually some of these did. Wireless broadcasting, but there wasn't such a thing as Bluetooth. So how yeah, did they do it? So it, we'll talk about that in a bit. We'll do that. Okay, so you want me to show this off? And yeah. This is the front. Yeah, so why don't you um, move the record out of the way, yeah, stand so it up with the, uh, put the little put legs, the legs out. out. Okay, yeah. And then we're going to go to the other camera camera. Okay, going to put the legs. Legs. Yeah, so show it Show it how big up. it is compared to Lady Ada. There you go. Okay. And then we've got another cam view, just so you can see it. It's like one frame per second. But, okay, uh, so hold on, let me get this out. Yeah, I think I'm going to go to the other view since this web camera ain't so great. Yeah, that's okay. This is a pink record. Okay, hold on, let me put All this right. aside. So then I want side two to face out. Okay, so the the record slots in. Yeah. Oh, and then, yeah, it sits nicely, and then there's a little... Yeah, you can maybe move it back a little bit so it's more in camera frame. Yeah, there you go. Okay, and then this is the... You lock it. Lock it. And then I'll, I'll show up yeah. here. I'm going to press play. And we have it plugged into a Sony um, speaker. Yeah. So I'm just holding it. I'm going to put it down so it's more stable. 
It's okay. We can hear it. Yeah, okay. okay. All right. So this is a good. This is good ambient music for us to talk about. What speaker? So that gives you an idea how big it is. Yeah. And it's it's cool. It's like you can see it spinning. And it's just hanging out here. Yeah. And, Being jazzy. Uh, hold up, hold up the record for the camera in front of the record player. This is the Blade Runner soundtrack on vinyl. Perfect record for this particular record player. Now, when we were um, looking at this, uh, there's one for parts, one that works. These are really hard to come by. Some of these allow you to transmit the audio wirelessly. So yeah. you can go ahead and uh, stop the record. Stop now. And oh yeah, then, and inside you can. It's hard to sell, but inside you can see the little. Um, yeah, and thing. then let's take the record out. There you go. Release. Put it in you the, can take out the record. Yeah, get him that tie. No, no, you wanna. Maybe yeah, I'll be off stage prop. You can. You can be prop manager. All right, what do you want me to do with this now? So you can unplug the power and the uh, audio. I'm audio. gonna flip out the legs. Yeah. Okay. And then um, if you put it on the overhead. Yeah. So right in the middle, and you can't really see it between the screen. There's a little dot behind all of it. Yeah, maybe you can. See where it says it's a Sony? And I, I could see it on the projector. There's a little dot uh, directly above the orange dots. And yeah, right there. And that's where um, some units had a FM broadcaster. And that is what we're going to start to talk about. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I don't have a lot of details on the broadcast, but I could show the, the I could show the web page because I, I that's could, what we're doing. Right. Okay. Just yeah, making sure. Was like, yeah. Well, this one doesn't I, have one. I didn't build the FM some, broadcast. Some yet. do, some don't. So yeah. I'm gonna go to the computer. Uh, okay. So this is a web page about um, the Sony, and it has um, some stuff, and it talks about the F9. Um, I don't know if this is the F. This is the F5. So the F9, I guess, is the other version. And that one had um, a little hole in the back that you could use a screwdriver to adjust the FM transmitter. Um, so FM transmitters, I think, weren't legal, even low-grade ones, until um, like about year 2000. That's because everyone was using iTrips. Do you remember iTrips? Like you yeah. plug it into your MP3 player or your Walkman, and you would transmit it to your car uh, stereo system. Uh, and they're saying that that's kind of what made it uh, legal, but it was basically around 102 megahertz FM. Um, and then you would be able to, uh, you'd be able to listen to it on your, your stereo system, you know, even if you didn't have audio out. Or I don't know, I mean, like, I don't see why you would, it, I mean, it is battery powered, but I don't know if you would necessarily take it somewhere and like. like you would absolutely <laughs> put this in your car. In um, your car? Yeah, yeah so drive around. The, the interesting thing is when you think about like what happens with modern electronics now that play some type of music, Usually they can use Bluetooth and transmit that audio yeah. to something else. But Sony at the time, they had this really clever thing, which was FM. So if you think about what this could do, this is a record player. It could go horizontal and vertical. It could broadcast on FM. It had audio out. It could play different types of records. Yeah. Battery powered, hanging up on the wall. Um, I like the hanging up on the wall. And, That's kind of cool because and it's they like, published the schematic at the time. Yeah, this so, is the dev. This is the dev. Uh, sorry, the, the service manual. Yeah. So one of the things I'm yeah the official name is like 
PSP5 or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I'm going to do is post up some photos and video, and I'm going to say, like, hey, Sony, like, why don't you reissue stuff like this? Like, this is the Sony that we all miss. This is a Sony that a lot of people don't even know about. The sales of vinyl go up every year. This would be a really interesting reissue with some modern electronics, and instead of FM or keep FM in there, put Bluetooth. Yeah, like they even have the board layout. Yeah, no memory stick, though. We don't want memory stick. Yeah, this, um, is, this is manually, yeah, board, yeah. manually routed. And so, like, you know, once in a while, some folks say, oh, open source has been around for our, forever, because back in the day, I used to be able to get schematics. Sure. And, okay, so what happened? Why don't they have it anymore? Um, we'll be able to always repair this thing and always keep it for, you know, hundreds of years, literally. And so um, this is why we thought it was really neat to show and share, because do you really get something like this when you buy an iPhone? Or this, you, the latest like, Sonos player. Do you want to get a replacement cabinet lever? Like they don't obviously they don't stock these anymore, but this is it's just funny. Like you know that you used to be able to get replacement. Yeah. Like that's not like, there's no such thing anymore. Like you can't get like replacement. Yeah. Oh, it does cabinets. have a needle, by the way. That's how it works. Oh yeah, it's, I mean circuit player. Yeah. There's a needle inside. Yeah. Um, but we're not going to open it up to show that because it's 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 protected by dust. But yeah, you can see these the two SC two four five eight. Transistor, all the transistors. So you can, you can, in theory, you know, replace the transistors. All the resistors are labeled. Yeah. Um, all right. 1983. So 1983 was a good year. And uh, one of the most unusual, cool, interesting, kind of did it all. Right on the cusp of when consumers of things didn't really get to do what they wanted with hardware. Like, that's, that was like the beginning of the end or the end of the beginning, however you want to look at it. So um, this FM piece, though, what if we wanted to do something like an LED, you know? Um, you know, we would use, you know, we'd use a, a um, FM transmitter chip. We actually have one in the store, the Psi uh, 4713, I think. So, um, you know, if you wanted to update this, you know, there's also um, off-the-shelf um, audio to Bluetooth um, audio adapters, and I think even the ESP32 has an example of like, you know, one of the demos you can do with it is turn it into a, uh, a Bluetooth transmitter. So, um, yeah, I mean, like these, these old technologies, they, they can be updated, although, you know, I kind of do like audio cables. They work. They work. Okay. All right, so let me show up some other stuff. Okay. I'm um, still on your computer. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, some other things that I did is, um, oh, you know, we have this uh, a pie hole kit that we've had in the, no, not this one, but uh, I thought we had a color one. One second. Yeah, we had a, we had a kit that you could put together to um, make a Raspberry Pi um, uh, ad blocker project and this is a really uh, popular project that people um, like to build but you can't get Pi Zeros anymore and even if you did a lot of people you know it's hard to get all the parts in order to make this project so we wanted to um, make something similar because a lot of people like to build Pi Zeros. It's a, it's a common thing so we made a version with an ESP32 so we can go to the overhead real fast and um, JP will be uh, doing a project to document it, but um, I just called it ESP Hole, and uh, you know it shows the IP address. You can kind of barely, barely see the text. Blocked uh, seven hundred and thirty-one out so far. Yeah, hold on. There you go. 
Uh, so it shows the IP address and how many domains it's blocking. Um, the only thing is it can't uh, do, it, you know, it can't store like these three megabyte ad block uh, collections like the, um, the Pi Hole does. But, you know, I have this set up with 7,000 domains. I kind of use this, um, you know, there's a uh, ad, ad aware network. They have a uh, 250K list of domain names. Um, and I loaded it onto here. So um, let me go back to the computer. Um, I basically forked this project um, called ESP32 Adblocker. And this project actually works quite well, but it's um, it doesn't use the TFT screen or mass storage. And, and what I liked about this project is, um, you know, I made it so it shows up as a disk drive and you can see all the domain names and you can, um, you can set the configuration. So, you know, the SSID and password. And then the TFT is really nice because one of the most annoying things about making pie holes is that every time it, re you know, you can't use a domain name for it. You have to use an IP address because um, it's your DNS. So it has to be, re you know, referenced by IP. But if you don't know the IP, how do you know it? So um, having a TFT screen is really handy. And then I like that it says how many ads it's blocked. So you know it's running. Um, didn't know the ESP32 could work as router. Will expose two networks. No, this connects to one network only. It's it's on the network and it's acting as a, a local DNS, just like the Pi Hole, which also it doesn't it's not a router, it's just a DNS server, which, you know, when when one of the hosts that it gets queries for is, you know, whatever, swerve.com, I guess it's an ad network or adcolony.com, it'll just say, Oh, I, that you know, that site doesn't exist. And um, that way you just don't uh, you don't serve any up any content from those. Also good for malware blocking, so not just ads, but um, like crypto miner networks or uh, malware sites, it'll block those as well. So you can get, you know, it, it's useful for not just for ad blocking. And of course it's handy when you're on mobile because mobile browsers don't have that kind of blocking capability built in. You can't have an extension like you can on desktop. Um, so I use this on like my tablet, like when I'm, you know, you know, in bed and I'm reading, just keeps me from like clicking on like ads or, um, or malware. So that's, that's one project. Um, and then I'm looking at some fun chips. One thing I saw is um, SparkFun has a library for this magnetometer. And we talked about magnetometers a week ago. And I actually didn't see this um, during my search. This is a high precision magnetometer, but I really like the look of it. So I thought I'd also make a breakout. Uh, this is the um, MMC 5983. It's an 18-bit uh, magnetometer. Um, so I think could be really useful for very precise readings. I think once in a while people really need a very high quality magnetometer um, for, you know, measuring earth field. So made a little stemma because it's stemma Sunday. Um, it has I squared C and uh, SPI, which is another thing I kind of like. The other one was um, I squared C only. And let's close that. Yes, save it. Uh, the ad blocker. This is that um, magnetometer. Lots in stock. So um, this is an addendum. I think, you know, three weeks ago I was um, talking about this one, uh, but it has um, about plus or minus one millitesla, um, and then it uh, three volt logic and just I squared C or SPI, but uh, one kilohertz bandwidth and 18 bit resolution. So a very nice, very nice magnetometer. Um, and this is another chip that I saw, oh, let me close this, uh, that I thought was kind of interesting. I saw this on a cable that was like a USB PD cable. Um, and I thought that it was, um, it was an interesting design. I'll, I'll, I'll show it later. I'm getting a sample. It's a cable that plugs into USB-C 
and then has a DC jack on the other end, and inside is like a little PD configuration chip that says like, hi, USB-C, like, I want you to deliver me 9 volts or 12 volts or, you know, whatever, um, and certain current ranges. And um, so, you know, I was like, oh, what's the chip that they use? So it's the HUSB 238. Um, and, you know, what I like about this is is the utter simplicity. You know, you just connect to USB data and uh, control lines. Um, there's a VN detect. There is one pass transistor, but that's a good thing. You, don't, you definitely want to have something to be able to enable and disable uh, power. And then um, you can set the voltage and current desired um, that you wanted to request over um, just setting a resistor, which is like super easy. So you just like, you know, you can either twist a resistor or solder one in. Or there's I squared C. And I thought that was kind of interesting. So there's, um, there's two ways to set it up. Um, for configuration, which I kind of like because um, usually over, I don't know where the I squared C, I think I found the I squared C register map elsewhere, um, but here's the I set current and the V set. So you can, these are the common resistors. So, you know, you can select between five different resistances to set five, nine, 12, 15, 18, or 20 volts. Just another nice thing, I've seen other USB PD chips, but they don't have they're like, oh, we only let you select 5, 15, or 20. Um, you know, they don't let you set all the different little voltages in between. So I kind of, I thought it was cool that this one um, would give you a range of uh, resistances. So that's the chip. So any questions about that? Uh, can the MMC5983 detect magma displacements? I don't know. I've never had to measure magmas. Okay, cool. Liquid All right, so magma. magmas. Okay, so let's um, let's go to the Great Search. We'll talk about what chip I'm looking for this week. Are you going to Great Search? Yes. The Great Search brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit every single week. Lady to use the power of engineering to help you, you, yes, you find things you? that are hard to find because we're in a global part shortage. Lady Ada, what is the Great Search this week? Okay, this week um, I'm actually working more on the feathering that I started last week. Last week the Great Search was on finding an RS232 transceiver chip that would take TTL logic at 3 volts and convert to plus or minus six volt logic. And so we sourced a part, the Max 3232. Um, I think it's wonderful, it's available in a couple different packages. It's in stock, uh, so check out last week's Great Search if you're curious. Um, and then this week, so as I was working on this, I was like, you know, one of the things that we've had requests for is not just an RS-232 wing, which I'm designing, um, but it's also reminded me of an RS-485 wing. So RS-232 is TTL serial, but with very wide voltage range. So instead of having um, zero to three volts, it's like plus or minus six volts. So it solves the problem of like how to get the signal very far by just making the voltage four times larger, which is like a totally valid way of doing it. Um, for RS-485, um, also known sometimes as DMX, does it a little differently. Um, instead of just making the voltage swing higher, it does a differential signal. It's a little bit like CAN bus. Um, so, you know, for RS-485 is used for industrial purposes. Again, it's also used for uh, DMX. It's like a multi-tap system. It's like, it's, it uses TTL, but it's a little bit more going on. And um, 
I thought, you know, uh, let's go to the computer because I'm, I'm just doing computer stuff. I thought that I had so much room, you know, here because it's this is ignore this Ada Logger. It's not Ada Logger. I just uh, I just recycled the Ada Logger layout. You know, I was gonna have the RS, sorry, the the DE nine over here on the edge. You don't have to hand solder it, but you know that way it, it fits nicely. And then a terminal block over here with RX, TX, and ground. Um, but I have a lot of space left over, and so I thought, like, oh, I can make this be like a combo because, you know, a lot of times if you're using um, RS-232, you know, you're often also interested in RS-485 because you're just like, how can I have this long-distance serial transmission? And um, so what's interesting is I actually uh, – oh, shoot, I uh, – Hold on, I want to look up the RS45. Yeah. So, um, so it's looking around for like RS45, and I actually saw this design from Teeny Sign, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of what I want. It has, you know, you can select RS45 or RS232, um, and then there's, you know, this SP232X or something here, um, and then there is the uh, adapter chip here. This is a Max. Uh, 461 and then you can see that it's like you can have one or the other and I thought like that would be pretty handy um, you know you'd, uh, you'd have a switch to enable or disable either chip uh, maybe disconnect it completely um, and also you know if it can't necessarily use both at the same time although you know just because of the, the voltage I don't want to necessarily mess up um, the, the the voltage outputs um, what I could do is, you know, only pick and place the parts for one or the other. That could also be a design because it would be like so similar. And again, I have that space. I might as well maybe make a design that can do either or both. So um, this was kind of uh, interesting and inspiring. But what I need is to get a transceiver. Now, the thing is, I've never actually used RS-45. So I'm going to have to pick up something that I can use as a, um, like the other side. I'll have to pick up some DMX light or something. Um, whereas I showed you last week, the the space ball has RS-232. RS-232 is like kind of everywhere. That's very easy to get. Um, RS-45, I don't have anything. But it's a common request. And so I think it's a, it's a worthwhile thing for uh, me to add on. So um, RS-45, you know, there's a Wikipedia article. And it's, um, it's basically, a, a, you know, instead of... Um, Instead of a, a you know single you know one for U R X one for T X there's there's bidirectional uh, sorry differential lines that go up and down um, and that's how they they you know they also have idle where they're both sitting at zero volts there's no um, there's like negative positive and zero and so you could actually have the bus be shared uh, and then for D M X I have to make sure that it's more than um, two hundred and fifty. Uh, kilobit per second, but it looks like it can go up to 10 megabit per second. So uh, when I went to DigiKey, um, so the good news is that if you like search for RS-485, there's um, a ton of converters and adapters, and there's also the transceivers. Um, so to start with, uh, one thing that was interesting actually is there is um, some chips that are both RS-232 and RS-485. Um, they tended to be more expensive. So if I apply, you know, I did look and I was like, oh, that's interesting that there's combo chips. Like somebody else had the same idea of like, oh, like why well, have one when you can have two? 
The problem is that the chips, like, you know, they look amazing. This Max 3160 uh, is super awesome, but it's 12 bucks a piece. And um, while I'm sure it's absolutely worth every penny, it would be kind of, I'm like, ah, I think I, I'm, I have enough room. I think let's just have two chips and um, let's do it that way. So I ended up not, um, you know, I, I ended up not wanting a multi-protocol. Um, I'm just going to select a RS-45. And then um, there's isolated, well, let's first pick active only because I only care about chips that are currently available. Um, and then there's driver, receiver, and transceiver, which I don't really know the difference, but what I do care about is how many drivers, receivers. And I want, I don't want to have just receivers, I just want transmitters, I want transceivers. So you look at the one, one, and two, two. So it's like either once, you know, RX and TX or um, two TX, two RX. Like we showed with the last week, we had a two, two um, RS-232 transceiver. Um, so there's isolated ones. Uh, again, I'll show that. I, I did look at these real briefly and, and these are cool. They're all out of stock and they're a little bit more expensive. Um, but I did think it was, you know, it's something to look into if we can eventually get them in stock. They're, they're a little bit bigger. Um, they're 16 SOIC and they're also completely unavailable like most chips. Um, but there could be some purpose for a, an isolated um, RS-45. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. You know, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Um, so uh, looking at just the RS-485 non-isolated transceivers, uh, we also only want surface mount parts because I'm not going to solder through hole. Um, for the data rate, I do have to make sure that it does uh, 250 kilobot or above. Looks like it goes to like almost infinite. Basically, I just don't want the ones that are guaranteed to be slow. Just wasn't that many. And there's still a lot of options. So I'm going to go for only ones that are normally in stock and in stock, like ones that are stocking and available. Uh, and that gets me down to you know, I think a couple hundred options. And then it looks like, you know, a common, there's like a jelly bean um, part layout that's an eight SOIC. It kinda, I looked around at some other um, RS-485 transceiver chips, like setups and, and breakouts. And they all seem to use like these eight SOIC because it tends to be just like one RX and one TX. So um, while I may change my mind later, I'm going to kind of go with this standard a SOIC package. I'm going to select that. Um, and the reason being that, you know, these transceivers, like CAN transceivers, it, le it looks like there's a lot of makers and they're all kind of the same and it's a very generic part, um, which is good because it means that if it's out of stock, one, you know, from one supplier, I can switch over to the other. So I kind of want to stick to this kind of standard um, layout. The next thing is whether I want it to be half or full duplex. And to be honest, I'm actually not sure, but I think I want full duplex because I want it to automatically transmit and receive. Although I have to look into that because again, I'm like, as I'm looking into this, it's like, oh, there's all these little like, it's like, it's so simple, but there's all these little details. But for now, I'm just picking um, full duplex. And another thing is um, for voltage, supply um while i could have a little boost converter it would be cool if i could get it working off of 3.3 volts because um 
that way I wouldn't have to add an additional, you know, boost converter. And um, this part kind of came up first, so it has the most in stock, and the price is pretty inexpensive. It's one of the least lesser expensive ones. And I'm always into like anything that has over 10,000 pieces in stock is kind of like a good sign for me because it's like, oh, this is like a standard stocking part. A lot of people use it, so you have to have a lot of them in stock. Um, so I'm going to start with the ISL 8340 um, 490. And this part, uh, I can open up the data sheet. Um, it's a 3.3 volt supply, but it's 5 volt tolerant. Um, and it can go up to 10 megabits, so it's high. Data rate, it was designed in 2018, so it's kind of got a more, you know, it's more modern. There's a couple that are older, but that's a fairly modern date for something like this. And it looks like they have a couple variations. So they have versions that are slew rate limited, uh, that have low power shutdown, or that are, it looks like basically you can either have full duplex or low power shutdown. You can't have both, which makes sense. It's like if you're full duplex, it means that you're kind of waiting for signal. You're gonna, you can't really go into low power mode because you're, you're waiting and listening. Whereas on half duplex, you could tell the chip, hey, you know, there's, I'm not waiting for a message, so like go into power down and I'll tell you when to listen for um, getting at idle. So it looks like there's a couple options there um, for this chip, but they're all, um, you know, they're, they're all this kind of standard uh, SOIC. This is the half duplex and this is the full duplex version. So... I don't know. Uh, looks pretty good. Um, I basically have to look into, um, again, whether I want to get this, um, you know, what's more important, ba basically having a half duplex, low power, controllable, or full duplex. It, you know, kind of does its own thing, um, but, um, you know, you don't have to switch between one or the other. I don't know which wiring setup people tend to use more, so... I'll look into that and um, hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll pick which sub-variant, but this family looks really good. And of course I love Intercell and um, Winnesas, they're a great chip maker. So I'm feeling pretty confident with my decision. So I'll, um, I'll get some samples, I'll start working this into the design. And then when I do a prototype, I'll pick up a DMX light or something and I'll try to just get it working. Or I'll just build two and I'll try to get signals uh, transmitting back and forth. That's a great search. Okay, some questions and then yeah. uh, comments. Uh, could that be used to charge, quick charge light bulbs, start five volts and increase the voltage when you're charging? I think that's for your design that you're showing. Um, no, you don't want to do that. It's more for when you have a chip or a device that needs a higher voltage because of like power requirements. Okay. Um, Bill says, Lamar moved one of those pins far left second row from the top. I'm sure she'll notice, but if I don't mention it, I'll feel bad. Oh yeah, I mean the, the, it's a whole it's a whole mess. Okay, it's not it's not ready. Uh, I noticed that the one you chose was tube, not tape and digireel. Can your pick and place work with the individual parts, or will you just find one with tape stock? Oh, I forgot to mention there is a version that has tape, but it's like you have to order a full wheel. So I probably get samples in tube. Um, our pick and place can use tube, or you can send stuff to be tape and reeled from tubing. Uh, we do that all the time. Okay. Like at this point in the silicon shortage you get the part in whatever package and like you'll deal with the consequences later all right 
And uh, as always, if uh, folks want to support Adafruit, go to adafruit.com, pick up some electronics and more. Pick up a TFT uh, Featherwing and you can build this ESP hole project. I've been using it nonstop. Cool. It's been super fun. Okay. And that's the Discolade Data this All week. All right. Thanks, everybody. See Tune everybody in this week for lots of live shows. Next week.